Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello. We're back. Woo! Oh my god. We finally made it back to you guys. I can't believe it. We're here. Dude, I haven't even seen you in two weeks. I know. It's been this weird. This is a weird time for us. It's been... It's been a little weird. <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, but we are back. And, and, and. We're good. We're here. We're present. We're good. Grant's uh, free of COVID now. I might shave his head later. I'm not free no, of COVID. Knows? I'm still... I still got it. I just didn't say anything. Well, no, I'm totally uh, uh, gonna get you infected. No, but we're back. We're I have for, already touched you a lot today. We're ready for a brand new series. It's great. Yes, yeah, the one we were talking about about two weeks ago. Sorry about that that respite we took. But yeah, you know what? Like we say, life always happens. You know, just be cool. Yeah, it's all right. We are going to talk about the biggest conspiracy of all time. I'd probably say, at least in America. Yeah. And that would be John Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr. being fucking brutally shot in the fucking dome. His head, it just did that. He was turned in, his fucking brains were turned into pudding all over the streets of Dallas. Hamburger up there on the dome. So, today, what I want to let you guys in on, if you're familiar with our early, early, early series on Bigfoot, and I'm talking one of our first episodes we've ever done. That was like... What was it, like seven? Number seven, maybe? That was over three years ago. How about that? Good lord. Dude, we've been doing this so long. We have. And um, this was the longest we've gone without making an episode. What's up with that? Yeah, it's interesting. Good it's lord. Weird. But, for those of you that are aware of that series, we're going to operate it in the same exact way we did with that series. So, what we're going to do is today we're going to go over the official story. We're going to give you... Probably the same history lesson you've heard multiple times throughout your life if you're a student of the American public education system. Yeah, we didn't hear much about this in school, I'd say. Oh, really? I, well, I mean, I they did mentioned that there's like, oh, it's fucking dome. It fucking it went kaplow. That's true. But that's about it. And but, it was like, it was this guy for sure. But then you look into it, you're like, oh, my God, nobody knows. Yeah, so we're going to go into that today. And I want you to, this is going to be. Probably, I'm thinking it's going to be just a two-part series um, because next week might be a little bit of a beefier episode because what we're going to do is we're going to give you the official story that the Warren Commission presented to LBJ himself and leave it at that. Today, yeah. we're just going to go over the basics, the foundation of the story. Today is the crudite. You're going to get into the fucking ribeye next week. Yeah, so next week... We're going to get into the full-on conspiracy, what may or may not have happened, why it may have happened, and the different stories surrounding that. So, we're just going to jump right in. And this is a little little bit of interesting information I got to set us up here. Wait, just one second. Hang on. Wait a minute. No. We are starting a call this. Grand. I'm Jake Mitch is here. Oh, yeah. I haven't said that in so fucking long. We're back, though. All right. Anyway, so that's the truth. Uh, You can go ahead on with the rest of the truth. All right, so this is a little bit of background info we may or may not know, all right? November 22nd, 1963. That's all you get. No kidding. That's all you need. Kennedy traveled over to Texas for a couple of different reasons, okay? He was out there to meet 
a couple of political people. One, Ralph Yarborough, Don Yarborough, and the governor, John Connolly. All right? All right. So the reason that this was happening was there was a three-pronged approach. Number one, it was obviously to help raise a little bit more money for the Democratic Presidential Campaign Fund. Okay? Get your name out there. Do some business. Um, number two, this was the beginning stages of his quest for re-election the following year. So, you know, kind of opening those doors, getting shit started. And then third, and almost most importantly, he was going to work on making political amends among the several Texas Democrat Party members that were having a lot of disagreements, and he was trying to unify the Democratic Party. Yeah, this was uh, this was before the old switcheroo, right? Where it's like Republicans became Democrats, like that's what we called them, like you know. Do you know when that happened? No, this was this was this was. Th- or am I thinking like way too long ago? Like it wasn't it wasn't that recently. It was long, but it wasn't that long. Um, All right. Like JFK was, so he was a Catholic. He was more of a, a moderate Democrat, I would say, by two thousand standards, uh, by today's standards. I don't know what the fuck he is. Probably a Republican. I don't know. He was, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Lord knows he had a lot of fucking enemies. In, yeah. In, Dallas he he was time. much more liberal and much more open about his political things. Yeah. Um, so this visit was first agreed upon by Kennedy and LBJ and then the mayor, John Connolly, during a meeting in El Paso in June of 63. So this was in in the works for a while. Yeah. Okay? They were like, may not be a good idea, but yeah, sure. The trip was officially announced in September of 63. And the motorcade route was finalized on November 18th and announced soon after. So a couple of days before, that's when they planned the route. And it's like, all right, everybody come out, right? Yeah, and this kind of plays into it. They they published the route in the local paper. Yes, they did. They, they did. did. Now, this is something that probably will not come up in this episode, but it will be brought back up again next week. But I'm going to pepper it in just so you have it already. So the Dallas Motorcade used three vehicles for Secret Service and police protection. All right. So in the front was an unmarked white Ford hardtop, and that inside that car was the chief of police of Dallas, Jesse Curry, the Secret Service agent uh, Win Lawson, local sheriff Bill Decker. And the Dallas field agent Forrest Sorrells. Okay? I have never heard a group of men's names that sounded more like police officers. Right. Um, the second car, the nineteen sixty one Lincoln Continental, the car that will live in infamy, was occupied by driver agent Bill Greer, Secret Service agent Roy Kellerman, Governor John Connolly, and his wife Nellie, and then JFK and Jackie Kennedy. The All governor right? and his wife were sitting in the front, right? Yes. Yes. The third car was a 1955 Cadillac convertible, codenamed Halfback. Ooh, This right. contained driver, Agent Sam Kinney, Secret Service Agent Emery Roberts, Presidential Aides Ken O'Donnell and Dave Powers, and the driver was Agent Hickey, and the assistant, or I guess co-pilot in this incident, was a PRS agent named Glenn Bennett. And then in the back of that car, right, that was Secret Service agents Clint Hill, Jack Reddy, Tim McIntyre, and Paul Landis. These are populated fucking vehicles. So, yeah, and the reason this is important is because typically, especially nowadays, they're riding way deeper than that. There's not three cars, there's fucking 50, you know? Um, oh, yeah, dude. If a fucking president comes to town, they're going to shut down half of the city. Yeah. And it's it's going to be a very big inconvenience for everybody. And we're supposed to vote for him? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are you supposed to... I'm late for work now. So in this three-car motorcade, and also, just so you know, it started and the route was scheduled for about two hours because they were going to be driving at a very slow pace, obviously. I would assume, like light jogging pace maybe like five miles an hour while um he was shot on the day like in the daily plaza all right it is estimated through you know the footage of the zapruder film which is what we'll reference that a lot this is the most highly scrutinized piece of film 
in existence. Yes, and that is the film that not even we've all seen of JFK and the assassination live. The hamburger meal, the sausage being made. Mm-hmm. Um, so JFK, the it is believed, based on the evidence we can see from the Zapruder film, that at the time of the bullet penetration, I guess you'd say, they were going 10.2 miles per hour. Okay, that's a little faster than I thought it would be. Yeah, a little bit quicker. But this opens the door. This is just a little bit of background for you guys to know what we're doing, where we're at, and why we are there, and who is fucking there. So, we all know the story. There's a piece of dangling skin on your hair that's just smacking you in the fucking eyes. There we go. All right. Sorry. I got to shave that head of yours, dude. It's coming. But this leads us to our suspect. Suspect numero uno. Lee Harvey Grant, Brad, oh. Maybe. Okay. Lee Harvey fucking Oswald. The guy in the book depository building with a fucking gun sniping the president. Am I right? We haven't revealed this yet, but I have so much information on that fucking guy. Why don't we go into that? Really? Let's learn a little bit about him. Immediately? Oh, my God. All right. Let's learn a little bit about him. (laughs) This is going to be a while. I feel like the longer (laughs) we spread it out, the more conspiracy is going to come, and I want to maintain. We're just going to naturally want to talk about what might have happened. Yeah, so let's learn about uh, uh, fucking Lech. Lee. Lech. Leho. L-H-O. Leho. I don't know. It's Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald, he was born on October 18th in 1939, and he will forever be remembered as... You know, the guy who assassinated uh, JFK. You know, he'll, he'll forever be remembered in history as that. Because the Warren Commission said so. Yes, they um, did. And that was, that was on November 22nd of, uh, uh, of 1963. The Warren Commission, uh, the team you know established by LBJ to investigate the matter, claimed he acted alone on the day of Kennedy's assassination. But you know what? Who knows? Do you? Um, I have some thoughts, but no. That's um, for next episode. For right now, yeah. Let's I, we're not gonna, get ahead of ourselves. For right now, we're going to take the information that we have at face value, and we're going to assume it is correct, and we're yeah. going to listen to the Warren Commission. Yeah. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into this guy's life a little bit. I compressed it as much as I could because he did a lot of weird shit constantly. I didn't know he was 24. At the yeah, time he, he was did young. this, he was a he young was man. Two years younger than me. Yeah, he was a young. young That's fellow. insane, dude. All right. In, in any case, uh, he was born to a single mother, Lee. That is uh, in New Orleans in 1939, uh, because you know what? His father died of a heart attack two months before he was born. Yep. Not great. Immediately. Uh, so this didn't make for a great situation, uh, epitomized by the fact that uh, the two sons uh, Lee's mother had already, uh, they were they were sent to foster care immediately upon her husband's death. So she just got rid of her kids well, you immediately. Just do that. You, know, you just get them. <laughs> As bye. she was pregnant with Lee. And Lee was mainly raised by his aunts and grandparents until the age of three. Uh, and by that time, he was old enough to be put into the foster system and he was put into the foster system yeah with his brothers yeah and about a year later uh his mom took them all back just she had a change of heart it seems happy reunion (laughs) no yeah no negative repercussions from that um so yeah uh she gave away her kids she gave away lee then she got them back a year later uh only to move back to new orleans and then uh they went to dallas texas actually Dallas, the the scene of the crime. Home of the Cowboys. Home of the Cowboys. They never do they win on Thanksgiving. Is uh, they, yeah, they're, they're not that bad on Thanksgiving, but they're just a shit fucking. Not very team. good. Not very good. Well, there, you know, in Dallas, Texas, Lee's uh, mother got into a relationship with a man wherein she felt nothing was ever her fault. Uh-huh. But I feel like that was just a character trait of her, and it was just, you know. The relationship is just a platform to, to display that. Yeah. And uh, the world was out to get her. You know, that's just like what she thought. Uh, so uh, when this relationship inevitably ended, uh, Lee became Mama's special little guy. Aww. All right. So he, uh, and, um, uh, he was formed by his mother from an early age to be an entitled, contrarian, and violent man. All right. Violent. <laughs> man. Violent man. He's, wait till you hear some of this shit. 
Uh, and there were hints, definitely. So, uh, there were times in his childhood where he threw knives during disagreements with his brothers. Oh. And he even physically abused his mother for something as simple as asking him to uh, adjust the television. I believe that was when he was in his teens, and he fucking, like, punched her in the face and held a knife up to her throat. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. So, uh, so not, not good pretty much right from the get-go. All right, during his childhood, uh, one of his brothers got married and uh, moved out to New York, you know, big city and with his wife. Big city, amazing. Living, dude. Get away from the mother, who, who cares? All right, so Lee and his mother soon followed, though, to live with them. <laughs> and begin, uh, you know, just uh, doing their normal stuff that they would. But this time in a very small New York apartment. So this eventually led to them being kicked out by the brother for, you know, the, the normal daily shit. So Lee and his mother lived in New York in just a different place. You know, they just got a different apartment, stay nearby, stay by the brother. Where Lee refused to go to school no matter what. Oh, He that's just so didn't sad. like it. I don't uh, he want just it. hated school. He didn't want to go there. I don't want it. <laughs> Did you ever have days like that? Like growing up where you're just like, I just don't want to go. All don't make me go. <laughs> All the time and it never, uh, never got my wish. Dude, I remember in second grade, I would like, like the bus would be waiting and my mom would be like yelling at me to like get out there and get on the bus and I'd be crying. And I'd go out like halfway in the yard and just turn back around and like be crying still. And she was just like, go, just go. It's like, nope, you, you're She'd gone. always just end up driving me, but yeah. I hated school. What else we got here? What, what is this? I lost my place. He refused to go to school. It was after uh, the situation got so bad that Lee was sent to a psychiatric facility because he was so truant, this guy. Uh, Damn, nothing like going there because you're fucking truant. Yeah, it's like you're not going to school. There must be something wrong with your fucking mind. Well, there is. <laughs> yeah, you're not learning anything. All right. Uh, this is where he was seen to be a deeply troubled young man. Uh, and his mother just kind of discounted these claims and simply took Lee uh, back to New Orleans. He's like, these New York places are just saying, you're crazy, we're going back down south. And, uh, you know, New Orleans, this is where uh, he began screaming at her to feed him, and she would oblige. All right. Just like from the top of the stairs, he would just scream, just like, I need food! And his mom would just bring it to him. So he was a well-adjusted young man at this point. That's kind of nice, I guess, a little bit, in a bad way. No, it's terrible. It's the worst thing you could do. It's uh, not awful <laughs> in a in a good way, I guess. <laughs> no, it's I just wanted, I Wait, what is not awful in a good way? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. I'd have to agree. I would. Uh, so, so that was him pretty much uh, going through his childhood. You know, he, he also found the concept of communism around this time, at the, around the age of like 14. Uh, which plays into his contrarian nature due to the insane opposition of communism at all in this time in America. Yeah. Right? It was it was the Red Scare was like upon us. The heat of it. So it, it was then, at the age of 16, that Lee dropped out of school and he began working odd jobs wherein he would preach communism and how President Eisenhower should be killed for exploiting workers in the United States. Damn. So he's just talking about killing presidents at work as a little 16 aggressive, year old. but okay. It's kind of normal for teens, you know, wouldn't you say? It's like, I'm going to kill just the, that guy. Just, maybe just like the littlest bit. Like someone they definitely know they're never going to meet. Anyway, uh, despite this, he did the most anti-communist thing you could do in the U.S. when he became of age, <coughs> which is join the Marines. You just yeah. you join the Marines. Marines! The best of the best in the armed forces of a government he doesn't believe in, supposedly. Well, well, in the Marines, uh, much to the chagrin of many conspiracy theorists, he was able to hit a fucking 10-inch target from 200 yards away 8 out of 10 times. That's impressive. Like, many conspiracy... Like, I, I know I'm slightly dipping into that side of it, the conspiracy, but he was a much better shot than most of the storylines portray. If anything, you're like anti-conspiracy right now. You're You're... Sort of defending it. All you it's conspiracy right. fucks get it right. Yeah, a little bit. Right? That's he, was the way a, he was like a really good marksman in the Marines. It was it was average for the Marines, but like it was still like that's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. 
But anyway, uh, so this uh, this was unfortunately paired with uh, Lee being roughly 5'8". So he was a good soldier, but he he was 5'8", and he weighed about 160 pounds soaking wet. And with with his communist, like, ravings and contrarian attitude, he got his ass kicked, like, every day. Damn, that's <laughs> Like, sucks. every fucking day. And, like, a lot of the, the other people that he was, like, staying with, the other Marines and shit, they would go out and party and get drunk and come back, and he'd just be, like, reading. And they would, like, throw him in the shower fully clothed and shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, just normal shit. You know, just the normal stuff. But, yeah, he was... Uh, kind of picked on there he he definitely had like a persecution like uh complex he's like i'm meant for great things and like you're doing this to me is such an injustice and all that kind of stuff and uh he never did any like self-reflection he was just that kind of guy he was kind of just a dick yeah contrarian. Makes sense, yeah uh also while in the marines he accidentally shot himself in the arm with a derringer Dude, the fucking... A 22 Derringer. That's a sign to the President Eliminator. Yeah, yeah. No, Oh, my God. I didn't even put that together. Yep. Amazing. Well, he shot himself in Japan. He walked out. He's like, I fucking shot myself. And he was immediately deranked and assigned to kitchen duty. Oh, okay. Because it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're a Marine yeah, so you're kinda, in a foreign land. You're like, kind of being ridiculous. <laughs> you're shooting yourself with a Derringer you bought for fun? Why not? Why not? Hey, man, I'm all for buying guns for fun, but you can't be shooting yourself with them. Come on. Mm -hmm. Uh, He thought this was a great injustice, him being deranked and all that and being put on kitchen duty. And so he just openly started acting like a communist. Uh, You know, like like one that an American might think is a communist. He just acted Russian. He just acted like a Russian guy. He was calling people comrade. He was reading, like, communist texts openly. He was like FPS Russia. He was like SPF Russia. FPS. I don't know, man. He's not even Russian. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got his name like fucking wrong. Georgia. Yeah, he went to prison and all that. He's not allowed to have guns anymore. How? How? What poetic justice? Kind of yeah, sucks. Yeah, he's not happy. Yeah. Well, luckily for Oswald, a candy jar had fallen off the shelf and struck his mother in the head. Okay. All right. So I don't <laughs> know how to feel. Leading him to get out of the Marine. Uh, you know, get, get out of Marine duty uh, for a dependency charge. <laughs> there you go. It's not a joke. It, it was literally a jar of candy injured his mother at home. And he's like, I can't be in the Marines anymore. <laughs> hey, man, it gets you that honorable discharge. <laughs> he was dishonorably discharged, I believe. Well, he he was twice, but he was technically at the end he was honorably discharged. How is how can you get a dishonorable discharge twice and then have fucking candy make it all right? Hey man, you can petition that shit. I don't even understand, it. man. I don't understand how things work. I'm not in the military. Well, you know, after the candy fucking did that to his mother, uh, after this time, you know, after the time of the Marines, Lee decided it was time to defect to Russia. Oh, yeah. Most people feel that way. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like, let's just go the exact opposite of where we are. He had saved around $1,500 from his military salary, and he used it to apply for a visa to travel to Moscow, which is like a super convoluted way to to get there the way he took, which I imagine is the only one you could take. He took like a plane to Switzerland and then went to London and took a train somewhere else and then took another train to Moscow. Yeah, I bet you it It wasn't easy to travel to Russia back then. Yeah. Well, right now it isn't really either. Yeah, but that's like a different reason with like the same, you know, the same, same ideas, same idea. All the uh, the skeletons there, you know. Uh, so yeah, he went to Moscow, right? And once there, he made it no secret to the KGB that he wanted to be a spy for the Russian government. Um, uh, and it, you, you know, the KGB was everywhere. So right? they want. You so to they think. just know that, like, he could talk to anybody. It's like, all right, KGB knows exactly. Uh, what you're trying to say. So, uh, when the KGB looked into his background, however, they found that he had no knowledge of military workings in the U.S. that they weren't already aware of and had not been aware of for many years. So, he, he was useless. Uh, not to mention that the fact that this guy, uh, he was just an open fucking book. <laughs> like, Oswald applied for citizenship uh, in Russia, and he was just outright denied because you know he's loose lips he's a fucking weirdo he's obviously got something wrong upstairs who knows 
But because he got denied citizenship, Lee decided to fucking, you know, slit his wrists in a bathtub, you know, like a Aww. like a well-adjusted person, uh, of a hotel uh, that he was staying at as a grand gesture to show the Russians how serious he was about wanting to live there. Yeah, that'll teach him. Yeah, I'll just bloody up your bathtub. But he, he like, a part of being in Russia at the time for Americans was like, all right, yeah, you're going to get a visa, you're going to pay for it, and then once you get here, you're going to have someone escort you around. Like, you're never going to be alone. So he knew that the person who was escorting him around was going to come back. Yeah, Like, this was not a suicide attempt. This was a cry for help. Makes sense. Like, for sure. Anyway, what else we got? Uh, you know, uh, he wanted to live there. He was then uh, discovered by his escort, like I said, and uh, placed in a psych ward for two days. So, not bad. In, in a way, his plan kind of worked because he was going to be sent home like before then. Then he was like, we just put him in a psych ward, see what's wrong with him. Uh, once he got out, he went straight to the U.S. Embassy and made a big show of renouncing his citizenship. That pays well i guess not re- he <laughs> they're like all right well they don't want you here so know, sorry man. yeah yeah i don't know what uh no one really took him seriously ever in anything he did but uh he tried to make a big show of it he was like uh he threw his passport on the desk he proclaimed he was a marxist and he outright said i renounce my citizenship <laughs> so so it was pretty clear what he wanted uh, he was still not a Russian citizen, but he was assigned an apartment and given a job at an electronics company operating a lathe. Ooh. You know, he was just lathing things. He's making progress. He's making progress. It took uh, it took him about two years of having this be his day-to-day to make him realize that this was, uh, this was not fun. He was not a fan of the communist lifestyle. Uh, so he wrote a letter to the embassy where he'd renounced his citizenship Asking for his passport back. Oh. So he just... So he fell apart. He just kind of crumbled there. Very, uh, <laughs> very rapidly, I would say. So this was in uh, 1961. And he'd also met a 19-year-old girl named Marina Prusakova. 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 And uh, the two got married after six weeks of dating and had their daughter in February of 1962. May of that same year, Maureen applied uh, to, uh, you know, the documents allowing her to move to the U.S., for like, to the Russian government. You know, she was getting the documents from it. Mm. And uh, Lee and his wife and daughter, they went back to America. Oh, So he just had a two-year stint. <laughs> yeah, he never did anything bad the rest of his life. All right, well, the, the, the family then moved to Dallas, Fort Worth area, Texas, you know, and uh, and Lee, who was very mad that there wasn't more press upon his return because he thought he was going to be, like, hailed as, like, a hero. He's like, he infiltrated the enemy. Let's interview him. Let's get all these news stories. None of that happened because he was just, he was a nobody. Yeah, it's like no one fucking cares. He just thought he was special, and for some he was just like, I'm so pissed that didn't happen. Uh, you know, Lee, he was, he was proving to be a terrible and abusive husband. <laughs> like, immediately. We don't, we don't. When they got back. I never would have figured. Dude. It's wild. Marina, she married him because, like, when they were dating, he was pretty polite and he was, like, nicer than any Russian man she'd ever met. Mm-hmm. But he was, like, quickly becoming apparent that Lee Harvey Oswald was a controlling, bad-tempered man who would just abuse Marina verbally and physically. She at one point tried to kill herself, and he caught her tying a noose, and he beat the fuck out of her and said, "You're so stupid for even thinking of doing this," and like that kind of shit. Like, didn't you try to do that? Is like I'm, I'm not gonna let you get out of this marriage alive. Like that kind of shit. Like he would beat the fuck out of her, and it was nuts. Damn. Not good. Not good at all. But uh, Marina largely stayed with him due to the fact that she really didn't want to go back to Russia. It was that right. bad, huh? <laughs> it was, Yeah, apparently Russia was pretty bad. Um, so Lee, he worked many different, you know, odd jobs during this time, but he was fired from uh, pretty much every single one of them for uh, just a tendency to be lazy and like a whiny worker who always ended up getting into some sort of screaming match with a co-worker that often there was like the threat of going to blows. 
Uh, I don't know if he ever went to blows with anyone. He's a hothead. He's a hothead. He was just a little piece of shit, this guy Lee. Uh, So Lee, he told Marina, however, that he kept losing his jobs because the FBI kept showing up while he was on the clock to question him. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm Uh, sure that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it was not true. He was just a dickhead. Uh, So, all right, it was now uh, 1963, all right, and Lee, he caught wind of a man named... General Edwin Walker. You thought Ooh. I was going to say JFK, didn't you? No, you were going to say Mayor McCheese. You thought I was going to say Mayor McCheese. All right, well, so Walker, he was an anti-communist segregationist, and uh, he backed a lot of individuals involved in the American Nazi Party. Sounds about right. So, objectively, not a good guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a Wouldn't fair assumption. you say? Uh, well, Lee saw Walker as the leader of a fascist organization, or the potential one, I don't know. Lee's mind is a very strange place, I don't want to dwell too long. But he thought that he was like a fascist organization leader of some sort. And so he decided one day that he was going to do something about it. So he wanted to be a communist, and then he wanted to be a fascist. He's just trying on different No, he shoes. doesn't want to be a fascist. There's anything a communist hates more than democracy i guess uh it's a fascist dude okay I misunder- no i know that but i misunderstood i thought he was like becoming a fan no so general edwin walker he like this guy was a piece of shit and lee saw him as a fascist organization he was oh, just like okay. i'm gonna fucking fix this no 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 okay i misunderstood. you know so I yeah no it's okay lee hated this guy well lee saw walker as leader of fascist organization he decided to do something better one day using the alias a heidel Oswald ordered a 6.5-millimeter Manlicker Carcano rifle uh, with a sniper scope uh, from a magazine for $21. Damn. Right? The rifle was originally 30 but he had a coupon. No. Isn't that fun? Coupon for a rifle. Coop, dude. Coop. After discovering where Walker lived, Lee began running drills for himself with his rifle, making sure that he could fire, reload if need be, and hide the rifle in a timely manner. Right? So he was just he was going through it. It's his military training coming through. He's working. He's working. He's working. It makes sense. After uh, he became satisfied with his time, on April 6th of 1963, Lee uh, he traveled to some railroad tracks by, uh, by Walker's house. And he buried his rifle. Oh. He buried it, all right? He's going Lollapalooza Because it on just was not the right day. No, this isn't a bottle of absolute. It's a deadly weapon. Eh, same principle, though. Same principle. You're going to wreak havoc with it. So, four days later, on April 10th of 1963, his plan was a go, all right? So, at 8.30 that night... Walker was in his study doing his taxes in front of a window with the curtains open. Mm-mm. All right, Lee he dug up his rifle. He went to the path that was uh, that ran along, uh, you know, the the backside of Walker's house that you can see right in the window. He took aim at Walker's head, and he fired. What do you think happened after that? He probably missed. He fucking missed the bullet. It went through Walker's hair. Rather Damn. than his head. <laughs> Such a good that? shot. <laughs> Just a fucking... No, but there is a caveat. He was a good shot. It would have been a good shot, but the bullet, like, from the angle that he had, he had to go through some of the... Um, uh, what was it? It was, like, the, the lattice work, like, the frame of the window. Oh, like that made up yeah, the, yeah. The actual, like, glass, like, panes. All know? through that, ever so slightly. So he had to go through that, and it, like, fucked it up so minutely that it went just right through his hair, give him a nice, like, that's the ultimate lethal comb. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, that's pretty that's cool. That's one of those, like, pants shitters, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, it went through Walker's hair, and it fucking just went into the wall behind him. And, uh, you know, instead of taking another shot, Lee, he just decided to rebury his rifle and run home. Okay. He just ran away. (laughs) Why not? I don't know, man. I mean, I figured, like, you you know, all that planning, you know, all that, you know, drive to do it in the first place. Why wouldn't you, you know, get the job? No, he's a one-shot kind of guy. Not later, as everyone knows. That's (laughs) the conspiracy, man. That's the conspiracy. All right, well. So yeah, he ran home after he reburied his rifle, and he told Marina everything. She had no idea. 
she she thought he was going to like a typing class every night, but he was like just like fucking scouting this place. Oh, all right, makes sense. So he told Marina everything, and then he proceeded to have a series of uh, uh, panic attacks for the next few nights. <laughs> just constant panic attacks. Because he was afraid of getting caught, you know? Yeah, well, it makes sense. But, um, I mean, you would be afraid. Yeah. He never was caught for this assassination attempt, but was actually, uh, he was pretty disappointed, again, that he didn't make the news. <laughs> He's like, damn <laughs> like, it, I don't want to get caught, but I want him to like, know me. There was nothing in the newspaper about it. He was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I just tried to kill that man. But, uh, yeah. So so Lee and his family, then, I think that was a lot of action for them. So they, they then moved... Uh, to New Orleans again. All right. All right, where he started openly supporting Castro. Yeah, that's So he's fitting. just taking his time. He's just going through all the different communists. He's like, this one will definitely be good. <laughs> this is the one. This guys. is the one I've been looking for. Castro's it's the safe have... haven of my beliefs. He's going to be so successful. Yeah. He was so outright with this that he was actually asked to participate in a couple of like political debates on local radio stations. And at one point, I'm pretty sure they brought up the fact that he did live in Russia, and he didn't know that they knew that, and he gets real clammy. Real he clammy. He gets real just cold and clammy. He stumbles a lot. It's it's pretty funny, actually. But eventually, in pursuit of going to Cuba to live and, you know, like help with Castro's movement, Lee, he, uh, he decided to move back to Dallas again. Uh, from uh, And from here, he departed to Mexico alone without Marina. Uh, he, his plans. Uh, his, his plan was to go to uh, to the Russian and Cuban embassies in Mexico and uh, to travel without the watchful eye of the U.S. government. You know, just kind of prying into his business. Oh yeah. Well, when he was denied it both, he had a hysterical sobbing fit and began <laughs> begging them to let him go. <laughs> and, uh, he even waved around a thirty-eight special handgun. And screamed about how he needed to carry it to protect himself from the FBI. Because he was telling everybody, he's like, they're tailing me. The FBI's on my case. Like, he was fucking, he was insane. Yeah, he's having a tough go. He was not having a good time. Uh, He eventually simmered down and returned home to Dallas, where he called Marina. And Marina was, like, fully expecting, because she was kind of pissed about this, like, uh, the the previous assassination attempt. Uh Uh-huh. Right, so she was fully expecting the call to be coming from Cuba, but rather it was from the YMCA down the road. Aww, <laughs> what an interesting. It's like so pitiful. That's <laughs> okay though. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, she Maria didn't want him like back in the house quite yet. She was like still pretty pissed. They were still married and everything. It was just kind of dicey, you know. You try to assassinate a government official, and then you come home with it, and then you bring your work home, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. But um, yeah, uh, she did, however, give him the uh, added benefit of giving him uh, like a job opportunity. One of her friends. Uh, she got him a job at the Texas Book School, Texas School Book Depository. All right, and there he kind of thrived <laughs> compared to his other jobs, uh, which isn't saying much, but let's just say he did well uh, working in a solitary stock room mm. where he wasn't able to, like, fuck around with other people. But, uh, yeah, that was a month before the, uh, the moment that we're going to be talking about, the, uh, you know, the assassination attempt. And a big part of why it's so weird that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was the guy to do it, and, like, you know, at least in the Warren Commission, I mean, who fucking knows, but he didn't necessarily have any negative feelings towards jfk that a regular person claiming to be a communist would have yeah he was sort of just indifferent he's like ah whatever he definitely was and he still had that rifle so uh, from my understanding like he only ever bought two-day-old newspapers because they were like way cheaper than the new ones you know Uh and so he saw the uh the route that he would be taking that jfk would be taking on the motorcade like two days after it came out which is i believe a day and a half yeah. Before the actual assassination attempt. Yeah, because you got to think they announced the plans on the uh, tw- or the 18th. 
and it was probably released on the 19th or, you know, maybe before then. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, it was probably less than 36 hours. Yeah, like an insanely small amount of time. And, like, for him to not really have any outright feelings, because from what I just told all of y'all, he seems to have had a very uh, high proclivity to... Uh, get his uh, political opinions out whenever he fucking could. Oh, yeah. And JFK's name was never in this guy's fucking mouth. And so it, it seems as if he decided to do this within the day and a half that he discovered the motorcade route. Uh-huh. And he used the very same gun that he tried to kill Walker with. He uh, he actually was... Um, he wasn't driving at the time that he was working at the Texas Book Suppository, the school. Suppository. Suppository. <laughs> I knew I don't, it was coming. I don't have notes, so now I'm just thinking suppository. I knew it was coming. I the knew. Depository. What is it? Depository. Depository. Yeah. Suppository the is the Texas thing you put up your butt. Texas School Book Suppository. Yeah, that's... You're uh, just going to be putting some literature up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you really absorb it. Anal but literature. Anal literature. It kind of works. But anyway, <laughs> um, so he was like, he wasn't driving at the time that he was working there, and he was having a coworker drive him like it was like a little carpool situation, right? So what he did, he had uh, his uh, his rifle, he disassembled it, put it into a paper bag, and he stored it in one of his friend's uh, garages. Okay, so on his way to work the day of, he asked his friend who was driving him to like stop off at the house. He was just like, "I need to get something like you know from here, like for the house for Marina." Because like right before he actually like went through with the plan, he was starting to rekindle things with Marina. Okay. He's like, "Let's all get together. I'm so sorry for everything I've fucking done. Um, let's let's like try to rekindle this, make it better." But he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna like pick up some stuff from my friend's garage." Help out with the house. Like, it's just something just before work, if you could. He came out with a paper bag. He was like, all right, sweet. And then once they got to work, apparently Lee uh, took a big leap ahead of him. Not like, you know, actually leaping, but he was walking way faster than his friend who had driven him. Uh-huh. Which was not a normal thing he did, but he wasn't a normal fucking guy. So <laughs> the guy who was uh, driving him, he was just like, okay, that's fine. And then, you know... uh, I think you can probably pick it up from there, huh? Yeah, so essentially what happens... Yeah, 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 yeah. What happens here, right? Um, JFK fucking dies. All right? He fucking exploded hamburger meat. We're, we're just going to jump right into it. We His know wife is trying to get it from the bumper. So he is shot. Um, For those of you that are unaware, he was shot once... Through what would be like the chest, stomach region, like shoulder area, like the upper body, okay? And that's why in the footage you see him kind of like raise his arms. He's like, oh. Yeah. And then the fucking blammo, the fucking headshot comes and it's game over. Like he's yeah. fucking knocked out. Um, but the first shot, it didn't even hit anything. It just like the shot went out, didn't hit anything. But everybody, including Jackie Kennedy, thought it was like a car backfiring. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was brutal. Yeah, and um, the second shot that went through his back, I didn't know this until like recently. He like had crazy. Well, I knew he had like crazy ailments and stuff, but he was wearing a back brace. Yeah, that's what killed for him. his like yeah, because like after he got shot the first time, which was the second shot that was fired, he was unable to like crouch down and like take cover at all because he was just being held upright. Yeah, it's sort of um. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, it's hard to tell, obviously, but it does look like he's trying to go into, like, a fetal position, but he just can't, and he's stuck. He's just fucked. Um, So the driver also gets hit. The driver, this one fucking sucks, dude. This guy, I mean, obviously, he didn't get as, as bad as JFK, but he got pretty bad. Yeah. It goes through his elbow, like, right above the elbow, the bullet travels through his arm and comes out of his fucking hand. And it's like it, Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so he got he got damaged, all right? He got fucked up. One went through the governor, right? Because um, that's like the whole magic bullet theory. No, that was the, the single bullet theory. That was for the driver. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Because I knew that... Oh, wait. I thought it was the governor that got shot. 
It could. We'll, I we'll have to come back next week this, and like yeah. corroborate that. But like, I thought that it was like the whole reason that people thought it was like a magic bullet and like changed direction midair and that kind of thing was because they were under the impression that JFK was sitting directly behind the other guy that got shot. But no, like in this specific car, there weren't seats where the governor and like, well, in front of JFK, there weren't like seats there. So they had like fold out seats that were slightly below and ajar from JFK. Yeah, you know, you could actually be right because I did. I'm pretty I, sure it was the governor that got hit. I took my notes a little hastily, so I I might not have that correct. Okay, we'll come back next week and like affirm that, but I'm pretty positive it was the governor that got hit as well. Yeah, I'm actually trying to I'm trying to like paste through some uh, information to see if that's true. Um, <laughs> which one of? Us? Yeah, Mitch says he thinks one of us are true. Okay, all right, all right. Mitch said we're both right, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do apologize. Thank you, thank you that, Mitch. That thank you. Shoddy note taking on Grant's part. That it's all bad. good, dude. We've only had two weeks to do this. I didn't even finish my notes. Um, <laughs> so. so he does. You know, obviously JFK's dead. There's another person shot, and almost, almost immediately, within an hour or two, Lee Harvey Oswald is taken into police custody. Um, he was corroborated, actually, almost on. It was on live TV for a local station. They were interviewing some of the people that saw what happened. And he was being identified as being seen in and out of the uh, book depository over the last like week or so. Yeah. Um, which we'll kind of get to next week. Well, you know. doesn't match up with the timeline very well. Interesting. But do you know what he was doing before they caught him? What? Like immediately after he shot the president of the united states he He's fucking, eating a sandwich so uh, sort of he like he left the uh the casings from the rifle just on the floor and he hid his rifle like in some boxes or something like that and then he just went down this like down the elevator or stairs or whatever the fuck he went to the break room he bought himself something from a vending machine pretty sure it was like a coke or something <laughs> like, yeah and then he was just like he just left he simply left the book depository, and, like, there were even policemen coming in and just, like, does that guy work here? Does that guy work here? And, like, they even pointed at him at one point, like, talking to the owner of the book depository, and they were just like, yes, yes, all those people, just making sure that everyone's in there. Everyone that was in there, like, worked there, and no one was out of place. But then Lee just left, and he was just walking down the street. Everyone's fucking freaking out. He is, like, overly trying to be, like, very calm. He was, like, looking inside of windows, like, pretending to be interested in, like, things in stores while everyone around him is going absolutely batshit insane. And that's how people were just like, what's up with that guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually he comes across a policeman and he, like, the policeman says something to him. I, I can't remember for the life of me what it was, but... Lee ended up shooting him because he was so fucking on edge. Yeah. And he killed that policeman. Yeah. And then he just got on a bus. He looked insane. That oh was my Officer God. Officer Tippett. Officer Tippett. 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 Tip. Yep. Tippett. Tippett. So, yeah, as we were kind of saying, he was identified by multiple different people. Walking around like a madman. Yeah. And the one of the earliest. I guess what you'd call witnesses was uh, Buell Wesley Frazier. All right, he worked at the depository, and he actually drove Oswald to work earlier that day. That was the friend. Nice. And he testified that he saw Oswald walking in with a large brown bag that he said contained curtain rods. That's um, what it was. Damn, you had all this info. I didn't. I did. I was kind of letting yeah. you go because like, you were doing, you're on a roll. He's like, oh, it's going to be curtain rods for a marina. But no, it's just a dim- disassembled rifle. Yeah. Um. So at 1.40 p.m., uh, they arrived and they arrested Oswald. All right? This is the police. Yeah. Um. What does he say immediately? Fuck you. No, no he's he's a- <laughs> I'm a patsy. 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 Um, so supposedly, according to one of the police officers, Oswald was resisting arrest and attempted to draw his pistol when he was struck and then restrained. He loved that 38, dude. So, yeah, Oswald was charged with the murders of Kennedy and Tippett later that night. Um, obviously, this, you know, he denied, he said he was a patsy because he lived out in the Soviet Union. All right. 
So essentially here, I mean, obviously we're very, very much glossing over the, the actual shot and things of that nature, but it's so saturated. Anyone, you, Everybody's aware of what happened, you know? Um, and th- this is truly one where I'm confident in saying that I know people are aware of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah. Dude. But three people were shot and two died. All right? How about that? How about that, man? Dude, one thing, uh, like the rifle, apparently, like a lot of people... Again, I'm sorry, I'm going into the conspiracy, but a lot of conspiracy theorists think that it's like a super inaccurate gun. But anyone it's not. that <laughs> I know, anyone that shoots guns normally, it'll take you like a couple shots to like figure out the irregularities in the aiming, and you can use it perfectly. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a gun. <laughs> what yeah. was it going to go fucking? In a loop? Like, it's not a musket. It's not just going to go, like, 30 yards to your left. Right. Exactly. Um, so, obviously, later that night, um, JFK is pronounced dead in the emergency room. And JFK, it's the famous picture, is in Air Force One being sworn in as the president of the United or States. L- LBJ? What, oh, what did I say? JFK. Oh, God. No, that wouldn't man. that be unfortunate L- if that's the moment that happens? LBJ. And here is where things kind of get a little bit more interesting. Dude, everyone seems so stoked in all those pictures, except for Jackie Kennedy. She's fucking <laughs> like, pissed. Immediately after, dude, Jackie's got brain matter on her fucking blouse. And just <laughs> LBJ is like standing around, like just like being sworn in. Everyone around him is like, yes, yes, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, she's a fuck. <laughs> Uh, so on Sunday, November 24th, at 11.21 a.m., Oswald was being escorted to a police car from the basement of the Dallas police headquarters. He was actually being transferred to a different jail, you know, probably a little bit more secure, things like that. And blammo, motherfucker, is shot by Dallas nightclub owner Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby. Dude, I, I want to do a section that's actually complete this time. Next week on that guy. Yeah. Because he is a fucking nut. He's awesome. Um, so the shooting was broadcast on national television. It was live. It was happening live on TV. I think that was the first time that that had happened, right? I think so, probably. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the first like televised debates were between him and Nixon, right? Yeah. Like uh, JFK and Nixon. Mm-hmm. And like they think. That's JFK, why, yeah. yeah, JFK won because won. it wasn't on radio and Nixon looked like a piece of shit. <laughs> um, so he was taken to the same hospital that Kennedy had died at two days prior. Um, it was announced on TV uh, by the Dallas Police Chief Jesse Curry. How about that? A lot of dead folks. So what Just is, a bloodbath. And if you want to know, this is just Jack Ruby's very generic thing. Um, Ruby said that he had been very distraught by Kennedy's death and killing Oswald would spare Mrs. Kennedy the discomfiture of coming back to trial. Discomfiture? Yeah. Discomfiture. He's, is that a word? I don't know. But Me that's and you a went dir- to school for writing. Is that a word? That's a direct fucking quote. I don't think that's a word. So, like I said, we kind of glossed over it, but it's, it'll become more clear next week. This is the basic story. Um, I got one more thing I want to talk about, and that is the details a little bit of the Warren Commission. Um, So for those of you that don't know what the Warren Commission is, um, it is the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, uh, unofficially known as the Warren Commission. The President in this situation being LBJ. Yeah, so it was established by LBJ through executive order on November 29th of 63. He had a big penis, right? Oh, yeah. He had a massive, He had a very large penis. Nicholas Katzenbach has been named as providing <laughs> advice after the assassination <laughs> of JFK. Katzenbach. Nicholas Katzenbach. He was the one that brought oh, yes. some evidence and advice um, to the White House, and this was what spawned the creation. Okay. Uh, yes, yes. Um, so he sent a memo on November 28th to Johnson's White House, uh, he sent it to the aide, Bill Moyers, and this is where he recommended recommended it because he said it would combat the speculation of conspiracy, right? Yeah. If the information was out, and it started pretty fair. 
the initial intention of the Warren Commission was to have transparency about the investigation, you know, provide information so that it wouldn't get out of hand. The most exaggerated backfire in history. Yeah. Um, so the Warren Commission met officially for the first time on December 5th of 63 on the second floor of the National Archives building in Washington, D.C. It was closed, but it was not a secret section, uh, a secret session, okay? All right, so just, I could just walk in and, like, sit down like it's my friend's college class or something, like... You couldn't, um, so it was done closed. (laughs) No, no. It's silly. It was done closed, but it was open to the public as far as what they discussed after the fact, okay? Uh, Um, so, I mean, I don't really want to go over the members, I mean, really the big one, is Earl Warren. He was the head of the commission. The big commission. one is LBJ's. That's, you know. All right, he actually wasn't on the committee. You don't get my member joke? Oh, yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. All right. Excellent. I like, I like that. Excellent. Um, but, yeah, Earl Warren was the chief justice of the U.S., and then from there they had different representatives and senators. Um, they had the, the director of central intelligence, um, which is essentially the uh, CIA, Alan Dulles, or Duels. Fun stuff about the CIA to come next week. Yeah. Um, so they had a bunch of stuff. Then they had assistants. Nothing like that fucking insane, but enough. You know what I mean? It was a day of work for these people. So the Warren Commission, it took about one year, okay? It took almost a full fucking year before they provided their evidence. No, it took a little bit more than that, actually. Um, you're not going to believe this. In November of 1964, two months... After the publication of its 888-page report, the commission published 26 volumes of supporting documents, including the testimony and depositions of 552 witnesses and over 3,000 exhibits of evidence. Uh, Yes, witnesses. They're always very reliable. So, the Warren Commission's official report stated that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone and he was uh, he, he killed the president because of the reasons we've stated throughout this episode, okay? Yeah, he was just a fucking goober who decided to do it one day because he seemed to have a knack for trying to assassinate people. As far as Jack Ruby goes, it is said that the reason this happened was because of the police and the... Not the Warren Commission, they weren't a thing at that point, but the way that the media and the police handled the situation led to this outrage of which Jack Ruby was a victim, essentially. Um, it was. I know of a bunch of other stuff that was going on in his life. I can't really articulate it. So next week, I'm definitely going to have a section on Jack Ruby. Yeah, Jack Ruby. He'll be All, brought up The one thing once. that I do want to mention is that when he was detained, he kissed a picture of JFK every day. Yes, he did. That he did. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit of a insight on how he's doing so you know. that is the official report of what happened to john f kennedy at least our version of it and there's a few things i want you to keep in mind for this okay the reason we started here i know it's a little bit of a rehashing for most of you it's important to know the generic story because there's a lot of holes that we're going to poke in it yeah and there's a lot of outside factors that are definitely not mentioned here. I also think it's pretty, like, it's, it's kind of nice. I mean, I definitely learned a lot of stuff about this story that I had no fucking clue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, and you, you kind of connect some dots and stuff, yeah. you know? Um, it's, I didn't know fucking Lee Harvey Oswald lived in Russia for two years. Uh-huh. And no one took him seriously enough to even think that he was worth any sort of... Everyone was just trying to get rid of him, dude. <laughs> Now, it is important. I'm going to leave you with one thing that will kind of whet the appetite for next week. It's important to understand that what we know and what we talked about today of Lee Harvey Oswald is what is available to us today. It is not necessarily 100% factual, if you are to believe that. It's very easy to revise the history of somebody nobody fucking knew or cared about. You know, you know what's really interesting about this story is the fact that Jack Ruby killed fucking Lee. So we don't have anything of like motivation. Nope. What maybe led up to it? I went through a lot of his life up until the point that he actually did it. But like, he just seems like an erratic guy, and this may it it could just be this was on a whim or something. But like I said, like he had never really even 
mentioned any sort of disdain for uh, JFK. I mean, obviously he's the president of the United States, and he and fucking Lee claims to be an avid communist, even though he's not very good at living in a communist society. But it's just like the fact that he died is the fucking nail in the coffin for why this is the biggest conspiracy theory yep. in the world. Exactly. It is important to know that him saying he was a patsy, we will never get to hear his explanation for any of it because he was killed. It is interesting, though. I'm pretty sure they interviewed him for like 12 hours. Uh-huh. And I think like like not 12 hours of yeah, <laughs> inter- interview material yeah, very, was released. Very, very I think it was a very small amount. It was only just like, like oh, uh, what... Uh, there were some details in there that were just like stupid. Oh they, yeah, they just like didn't even make it. Like no one needs to know. It doesn't help the story. Doesn't help any of us. It just makes us angry that they're giving us something and not the stuff that matters. So what I want you guys to do is I want you to sit and think about different things that may or may not make sense or not connect for you, and we will be back next week to cover all those bases. And I'll be honest with you. Right now, what I'm anticipating is typically like maybe a one-episode thing. Not going to lie to you, it more than likely will turn into a three-part series. I don't even... I'm not even against that. Because there is... There's a lot to deal with when it comes to outside factors. Um, One more piece that obviously I'm going to talk about a lot next week. Um, Look up... If you're interested, if you want to know a little bit more or connect some dots here... Find out what uh, LBJ's wife fucking did for money. All right? Think about that. Suck his fucking Pringles can of a penis. It's a little bit more dark and deep than that. Um, (laughs) That's funny for many reasons. But with that being said, that's officially our episode for the week. All right. Yeah, so uh, we promise, or at least I promise, that I'll intend to make an episode next week. I think we will. Oh, we will. We'll, be we'll here. just we'll just be here. Yeah, uh, you got the antibodies. You're not gonna get COVID. Everything's gonna be fine. So yeah. So uh, that was our episode. Uh, we're really fucking happy to be back. At least I am. I haven't seen you guys. Yeah, because Mitch, I thought you were contaminated too. I haven't seen you in two weeks. I was. He was contaminated. I gave it to Mitch. He was achy from the waist down, just a sore pair of pants. I gave it to Mitch. But um. But no, so yeah, we are starting to call this Grandam Jake. Mitch was here. Uh, I'm, I was so happy to be back. You can follow us on all the shit. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have an email. Start a cult at gmail.com. We got a TikTok, Wasack underscore pod. All right, we're going to post more stuff on there. You can see Navi drinking water. Um, you can see me as a pretty girl. Uh, there, there's a Patreon link below. It's always there. We're always going to have new stuff for you that no one else can hear unless we miss a week like last week. Did you hear that? I heard it. Did you hear that episode? What do you think? Are Reese's Cups candy bars? Don't even talk about it. Fuck you. I was... You know what? Here. Here. We found this at the store today. (laughs) We found a Reese's Fast Five chocolate bar. And you know what, Grant? This is a chocolate bar. They're all chocolate bars. Reese's Cups... Are not chocolate bars. They're all chocolate bars. I'm like gonna, I'm said, gonna fucking run you into a pond, dude. Like I said today, I said this in confidence. No one will change my mind. Not even no, the president yeah. of Reese's will. You change You know what my I equated mind. Grant to is the people who are gonna see Jesus come back, see he's brown, and they're gonna lynch him. Yeah. That's what Grant is presented with real proof of something. It's true, dude. Reese's is a fucking candy bar. Fuck you, dude. That forever. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so true. Somebody just. I'm not. I'm not gonna deny it. I'm not gonna deny my calling. All right. This is what I'm here for. I'm gonna press the clippers that I'm using to shave your head so, so hard into your stomach. That's just childish. And I'm just. We can't it's disagree. Huh? We can't disagree on things, huh? Huh? You gotta force me to believe what you believe, huh? I'm not saying that it's gonna convince you. I'm saying I need to hurt you. I know the Earth is flat, Mitchell. We'll Everyone knows that. No, we can just disagree, man. <laughs> it's a candy bar. And I love candy bars. All right, yeah. So we are starting a call. It's great. I'm Jake. Mitchell's here. Thank you. Goodbye. It's a candy bar.
Yes, it is. I swear. No. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 